Hi, Dr. Phil Flox here, also known as John Billingsley. I volunteer for the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific meals to the unhoused seven nights a week. We assist a hundred nonprofits with their food needs. We work with community partners to address food insecurity in Southern California. If you're in LA, come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org slash volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. Bird people. Sky snakes. And a shot at redemption. Episode 7 brought us an unexpected welcome back to a character that didn't exactly leave on good terms back in Season 1. After abandoning Starfleet and the crew of the Cerritos to save her own... skin, will Peanut Hamper finally come around to what Starfleet is all about? Well, let's find out. Step into that turbo lift and hit the down button, folks. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek Lower Decks. Thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe companion presented, as always, by Fansets. Episode 7 of Lower Decks was a completely different and unexpected story that, for me at least, was one of the best episodes of the entire series, let alone the season. With a story almost entirely focused on Peanut Hamper's return to Lower Decks, we get to see if she has redeemed herself after abandoning her post back in Season 1. Now, lucky for me, I'll never be concerned with these two ever abandoning their posts. Mutiny and killing the captain is always a possibility, but until then, I can always count on them for some great discussion. So welcome back, Casey and Bill. Great to have you here, as always. And Bill, uh, this was an episode that you didn't think I was going to like, and I actually loved, and I didn't see it coming. Yeah, it's because you normally don't like good things. So thanks, Dan. (laughs) It's good to be here. Um, I I love it when Star Trek takes chances and this episode of Lower Decks does just that. And I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Absolutely. I am as well. And Casey, don't lie to me, man. You want to, uh, you want to hang out with Raw Dog, fly through some clouds and get all cozy under a waterfall, don't you? Uh, the chances with this episode I like to take is just to throw myself off a ledge. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, <laughs> uh, we will we'll have a lot to discuss. That's a very interesting um, uh, description, and I'm picturing it in my mind. And I'm not going to lie; I'm smiling. Um, we're going to have a lot to discuss, sure, wow. <laughs> as, as we always do uh, with this week's episode of Lower Decks. But before we do that, Bill, uh, why don't you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with us to give us their thoughts on a mathematically perfect redemption? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Sure thing, Dan. <laughs> Listeners, we definitely want to hear from you. We want to know all your thoughts about a, math mur- a mathematically perfect redemption. I almost said math murderically, um, thinking mm. about Dan. It's amazing. Um, and the best way to get in touch with us is to get yourself the Trek Geeks mobile app for your iOS or your Android device. Download that bad boy, tap on the more button, and you can find a bunch of ways to get in touch with us. And while you're at it, check out some app-exclusive content that we have there just for you. Head to trekgeeks.com slash app to get all the details. Plus, 
join our official Facebook group. It's the best Star Trek Facebook group there is. It's Camp Kinemer, and it's super easy to join. So easy that these two Joes here on this podcast also figured it out, and you can get in touch with them there too. Answer a few questions. We'll let you write in. Big thank you to our admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark, for the great job they do running the camp. And of course, remember, if you send us a comment, we're going to use it. So send us some comments, because we'd love to. Dan. Thanks, buddy. Black alert. Black alert. Now, before we start our discussion, we want to warn our listeners that this episode of Discovering Trek Lower Decks does contain spoilers. So if you haven't watched Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 7, stop listening right now. Go on over to Paramount Plus, watch the episode, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that will put you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for a mathematically perfect redemption. All right, gentlemen, I kind of got an idea when we uh, were when I was doing the introduction of the two of you of what we're going to get for our thumbs up, thumbs down for this week. Way thumbs up for me. I was kind of on the fence because of Bill's warning ahead of time. And I'm like, I'm going to hate this episode. I'm going to hate this episode. And I loved this episode. It was fantastic. It was different. It was something that we didn't expect. So thumbs up for me. Casey, let's go to you because I can't wait to hear your description on this one. Um, I chopped both my thumbs off, (laughs) threw them inside a blender, smooshed it up, fed it to a Wolverine outside. So you loved it. Maybe no. <laughs> well, that's that's one of the good things about our discussions is we can have the disagreements on what we thought. It's still going to be fun. Bill, what about you? I think I know what you're going to say. I, I wish I wish Casey would just be plain about you know, <laughs> not mire his thoughts and clever subtext. And, you know, um, I love 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 this episode. Um, simply just because, like I said earlier, it takes chances. Mm-hmm. It abandons the traditional lower decks format to tell a story that is is not only pretty Star Trek, but it's also pretty messed up. And I'm all for that in the Lower Decks universe. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on a lot of those things. Now, there are some things that I did not like about this episode. That There were so many things that I did like about it. One of the things I want to get right off my chest, right at the beginning, is I got to give kudos and also say I can't stand the voice of Peanut Hamper and Kether Donahue, who did the voice. She made me hate peanut hamper even when she was being good that voice was annoying it was irritating she dropped f-bombs she swore all the time and it worked perfectly bill (laughs) it's like our listeners having to listen to you every week Um, now you know how they feel well yes i guess perhaps you can empathize i actually have no problems with the voice at first i thought it was a different voice actor doing the voice for peanut hamper i didn't know it was uh, it was Heather. I thought actually thought it was Caitlin Olson from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia because many of the inflections are the same. Uh, to find out that it was it was Heather was even better. So um, I I like I like Peanut Hamper. I like the fact that Peanut Hamper is a jerk. And <laughs> well, don't I was, get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I loved what what Heather did in this in yeah, this yeah. role. It was great. The voice was exactly what we needed for me to to have issues with peanut hamper. And then it was all justified by the end of the episode, with what she did. Um, But Casey, in addition to everything else that you obviously hated about this episode, (laughs) what did you think about Kenneth's (laughs) performance uh, returning uh, as peanut hamper? Well, I mean, a wonderful performance, no matter if you like the character or not. And I, I think part of her performance there that made me hate the character even more is that that actor did such a good job yeah. and all of it where 
Um, you know, you can be magnificent at your job and people still don't like the character or whatever, but it has no reflection on the person doing the gig. Louise Fletcher. Excuse me? Uh, that's that's my, yeah. that's what I relate to what Casey just said. Oh, okay. Louise yeah. Fletcher did a fantastic job, rest in peace, Louise, as Kai Wynn. We hated Kai Wynn, but, but Louise was so awesome in that role. I was like, she wasn't in this episode. Well, thanks, buddy. I want to apologize real quickly. <laughs> Earlier I said Heather. I meant Kether because I have it written as Kether. And for some oh, reason, that's okay. I read it as Heather. My apologies. <laughs> You're talking to somebody who like screws up every word in a sentence. So our listeners care. And so do I. <laughs> no, there was, there were, there was a lot about uh, what Heather did. That was great, but also extremely irritating at the same time. And there's actually a video that dropped, um, over the course of the last few days. And she's got a lot of, 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 uh, she's interviewed a lot. And I thought she was fantastic in that as well. So, um, so, so big thumbs up to what she did. The other thing that I really liked in this guy, guys, in this episode was, it was an amazing opening. It was the first yeah. time that we've had an opening sequence that was different, and it really worked. It was kind of like that callback to what we saw at the end of season one. I love the dramatic music. I love the visuals. I thought that really set the tone for what we were going to see, Bill. It was so cinematic, and I really appreciated that. It set the tone that this was going to be a very different episode um, than we're used to. And, and the fact that it doesn't feature our series regulars for 85% of the episode Right, I think is is a bold statement. I love that one off quality. I I hope they do something like this again in the future. I don't think they'll reuse it too much because I mean there's just so many stories to tell with our lower deckers. But I love the way this was employed. Casey, anything about that inter- uh, the beginning that you liked? Yeah, I mean it was gorgeous. I thought the musical arrangement being different was yeah. beautiful. And mm-hmm. and you know I I think part of it might have been that I was. I felt a bit set up because I loved that intro and I loved the music mm. and then the rest came and for me, it wasn't the same. <laughs> okay. Well, that's all right. No, it's okay that you didn't like it. One of the things that I liked a lot about that opening sequence is there was a great castaway callback in the beginning of this when Peanut Hamper is by herself and, and she creates Sophia who looks awful lot like Wilson. Uh, and I thought that was a great callback. That's some of the things that I like is some of these really deep cuts that the writers will have and the animators when they do this stuff. And at least did that one, did you like that one, Casey? Was that a good callback uh, to, to start off your downward trend that happened right after that? Well, yeah. I mean, there were, there were a few callbacks in there. I mean, Castaway, Lion King, uh, mm-hmm. The Great Escape, you know, uh, even the, the whole Iwakian riff of that village for me, yeah. I was like, Oh, we're, we're back to an ABC Sunday night movie. You know, Ewoks get revenge this Sunday night. <laughs> um, so, so there were, there were definitely some fun aspects in that. Um, that's where I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, what do you think? <laughs> no, I, I love, I love the fact that they were able to evoke some of these other, you know, classic films, you know, uh, I loved the cast, uh, the castaway callback. I thought it was very peanut hamper that she sold, I'll, I'll say Wilson down the river so early. Very quickly. Um, <laughs> very, I mean, like two seconds later, it was, it was fantastic, but it was totally in character with peanut hamper. Um, but you're right, Casey, the, it, it does have sort of an Ewoks return feel to the village, but I, <laughs> I was kind of here for it, especially because we got a planet of owl people. <laughs> yeah, oh, true. That sounds like a movie itself. Planet of the owl people. 
I like that. And and I can as long as we don't all sing like he does cuz he was really <laughs> bad at his singing. Um Casey, let's I don't want to focus in too much on the fact that you didn't like this episode, but I am intrigued and I kind of want to get some ideas of of what of of some other aspects of what you thought about it um that didn't that you didn't think it was one of the the good ones of the season or of the series. Uh I part of this I, I keep going back to is you know, we're not getting 22 episodes in a season. So we're, mm-hmm. we're getting what, what, 10, 11, 12, something like that. Um, and I didn't find the peanut hamper character strong enough to interest me in, in a full episode. I just, I don't know if you guys saw community, but for in community, this would be like, if there was a whole episode of one of the side characters, Starburns, which was, you know, an okay comedic thing to have, but wouldn't hold my interest at all. And uh, I, at first watching this, I wasn't sure why, why, why this episode, why do this in this particular time, depending on where it is, um, in the season and throughout this episode, I, you know, I found it was like, I didn't believe for a second that peanut hamper is evolving. I think this is the same character going to be the same way doing whatever it needs to do to save its own butt no matter what. And, oh, surprise, surprise. That's exactly what happened. Um, I, I just didn't have like an emotional care, uh, connection with this mm-hmm. character. And I think having dealt with enough a-holes in my life <laughs> that I just like, Thanks. you know what? Well, you two are included. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, oh, yeah, seeing this kind of narcissistic behavior before really yeah. doesn't interest me. Those are all valid points, man. I mean, I, when you when you get right down to it, she is not a nice exocomp. I was going to say person, but that wouldn't have really made sense. Um, and and we find out, of course, at the end that she was, you know, faking the entire thing. But uh, it's interesting to hear the the things that you don't like about it when we've seen so much positive um, uh, comments online and, and Bill and I liked it so much. Um, how can you not love an episode of Star Trek where the planet's called Areolus? <laughs> I mean, just right there. I think I was drinking something and I almost spit it out of yeah. my mouth when I heard when I, that scene yeah. when that uh, when that light came up. That was just absolutely hysterical. I mean, th- they take chances. I mean, Bill, you talked about them taking chances in 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 this series, and they certainly draw the line, or they certainly get right to the line, and sometimes they cross over it, and sometimes they don't. This episode takes some chances beyond sort of <laughs> self pleasuring magatos. It. it <laughs> As, yeah, as, as Casey's kind of pantomimed, it kind of jumps over the cliff. Yeah. Um, because this entire this, this entire episode made me ask myself this question at one point, and I feel kind of uh, kind of weird about asking it on a podcast, but I'm going to do it anyway. Does this whole scene between I'm going to call him Bird Boy and Peanut Hamper, um, Raw Dog, right? That's his name. Raw Dog. Yeah. Um, does this make Peanut Hamper a sentient sex toy? I've oh. never thought that I would ever ask this question on a podcast, but uh, here we are. I'm going to go watch Magato Gamato again. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think that's a valid question. It, it is. A, it is. It's a very valid she question. she was using him. She was using him for her yeah. own devious plan. Here we have a, a, a species, an alien race that has eschewed technology. We've seen that plenty of times in Star Trek. You know, they have this technology. They've chosen, uh we will not use this technology. It'll just lead to bad things. And what happens? The technology uses them. 
And what a ah. statement. Uses them and is he can say that again. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely. Uses them. I'll tell you what. Um I know, you know when we saw the the Magatos last season um doing what they were doing, we were like, wow. I didn't know if they could top it. I don't know if this topped it, but I really do not like seeing a bird tongue being inserted into an exocomps like front nozzle or whatever the heck it is. I mean, <laughs> at least they made it romantic Crude. by turning the waterfall into a heart shape of feathers or, wait, or whatever. Wait, but this romance is creepy <laughs> AF. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, it is. I, I, I was going to say it so you'd have to bleep it, but I just I decided to not. That's um, okay. It's creepy AF, dude. Um, yeah. I just, I, I can't. I can't. Uh, it, it it was very, very creepy. It was, it was uncomfortable. I mean, which would you rank worse, the Magatos or this? Oh, this. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought the whole horn rubbing thing was a little strange back in season two, but, but yeah, this was, this was very, very strange. Hey, Magatos got needs. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and here you're scraping so up against people. metal. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's that's not good for anybody. I guess if there's anything good to come out of the entire sex scenes with with Raw Dog and and uh, Peanut Hamper was at the wedding she actually had a beak attached to her nozzle. I know I saw that. Nozzle. That was <laughs> cute. I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, well, we we could oh, that's I don't <laughs> You know, but there were a couple of moments here where you thought that Peanut Hamper's redemption mm-hmm. might actually be a thing because there's some dialogue regarding forgiveness. Yep. You know, and, and that was actually pretty interesting. I mean, if you look at it as a long con, I mean, it was absolutely the big sell in the whole yeah. thing. If you look at it, as just a piece of dialogue. It's actually pretty powerful. Um, the, if they had actually no, decided true. to make peanut hamper, have some kind of redemption, I think that would have been you know the perfect speech with which to usher it forth. But the fact there was the double cross at the end just, you know, makes it yeah. even, even better to me. Absolutely. The, the, the dialogue was great. She had the, um, technology to have all the eggs hatch, which was a big moment. She was able to make their poop oily and white again, which I guess <laughs> is good. I'm not going to even really go into that much more detail. And she saved the elder from the sky snake with the right. venom. Um, so it was interesting that, didn't really I didn't really think of this until we saw it later in the episode. She was completely all over the prime directive and just completely forgetting about it. But then of course they had technology before, so it wouldn't have applied anyway. But still, at that time she didn't know that. Well, and much like you know, 3PO in in Return of the Jedi, um, Peanut Hamper's on the verge of becoming a god to this mm-hmm. species. Pretty much. And it's a little uncomfortable and a little cool at the same time. Yeah. Because she's, or sorry, she, Peanut Hamper, is reawakening some of these things within, you know, th- those those bird folk. Bird folk. I like bird that. Folk. Bird folk. Areolans? And owl, no. an an owl people. You've got some great adjectives tonight, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Dan, as always, we want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. They have been a core part of the entire network for years, and we are so proud of our relationship with them. Yeah, we absolutely are, man. We met them in Vegas the first year they were in business, and right from the start, we knew that there was something very special about them. Lou, John, and the entire team at Fansets are truly wonderful people, and just like all of you, they're huge Star Trek fans. They love every part of the franchise, and that love and dedication goes into every single Star Trek pin they produce. And there are a lot of them. They have over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins, and they have new releases every single month. 
And as a sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, we get to give away fanset stuff all the time. So you definitely want to keep your ears open for any new announcements where you can win some awesome Star Trek pins. So friends, head on over to fansets.com. Check out their amazing inventory of not only Star Trek pins, but also some other awesome genres and put a bunch of pins in your cart and maybe even some accessories like those incredible locking backs to keep your pins secure. Or hey, maybe even an amazing gift certificate for a friend or a podcast co-host. Then at checkout, be sure to enter the special discount code TREKGEEKS for 10% off your entire order. That's TREKGEEKS in all capital letters with no spaces. And don't forget, when you spend more than $30, you automatically get free shipping in the U.S. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. I got to say, it was we've talked about it almost every week, Casey, but we have great uh, uh, guest voice actors. We have the return of J.G. Hertzler this week. Mm-hmm. Again, we saw him in season one, uh, season one as the Drukmani captain. It was good to see and hear him again. And one thing, I don't know if I noticed this in season one, but I'll bring it up now because I'm a big General Martok fan. I think it's kind of cool that this captain has an eye patch, just like Martok does. Uh, I I thought that was kind of cool, and then we get to see him. And are they dead? Did he get killed, or is, did he escape? I was not sure based on what we saw at the end of that episode. We don't know. Mm. Yeah, keep things open ended so anything can happen later on. That's true. Bill, what do you think? I I think they're going to keep it open ended. I mean, now that yeah. the packlids are pretty much neutralized, yeah, they're going to need another recurring threat. And why not the Drukmani? the junk men? Your face is a junk man. <laughs> <laughs> Dan M. Smart. <laughs> Thank can I, you. Can Jason, I bring up the line that. of the episode? Yes. Um, I As I watched it again, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I had to tag one line for this episode that really kind of sets the whole tone, it's set a course for Areolus. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little Robocop reference there for you. No, I got it. Uh, really. But it no, I, I, absolutely, I, I don't disagree with you, man. I just think that I think that the uh, the chances that they take in this series works. I don't think there's been one that's really failed, to be honest with you. No, I don't think so. I really don't. They, they just do a great job of it. Um, what else we got going on in this episode, Bill? We got so many things that we could talk about. What else did you really, uh, uh, did you jot some notes down that you wanted to make sure you brought up? How have we gotten this far and not mentioned Jeff Combs again? Oh, yeah, I am going exactly. to be suggesting. I'm going to be talking about him. No, but I mean, we've worry. gotten this far. I mean, <laughs> yes. you know, we, we've already brought up JG. We may as well bring up the other, because there's yeah. been a special guest voices every episode this season. Oh, some fantastic ones. Um, and it didn't disappoint. It, it's it's not surprising that Peanut Hamper winds up in the same facility as Agamus um, and the CBS robot, which is yes. still there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I expect, I expect a sequel to this episode, because they've got to get loose. I... Yes actually think that they are going to uh, be a a big threat at some point, whether it's the remaining episodes we have in season three or in season four, but they're going to escape and they're going to become a major Star Trek villain on Lower Decks, I think. And it was great to hear Jeffrey Combs' voice again. It always is great to hear his voice. Always. Yeah, absolutely. So that's something you could have liked, right, Casey? Oh, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> couldn't like it. I loved it because it's him. And I was like, but, and it sets up, like you just said, I go, yeah. oh, they're setting this up for episodes beyond here. This is, this would be interesting. I got a question. Yes. You know, the Daystrom Institute is a big 
famous place. Lots mm. of things happened there. We saw yep. what happened in Picard season one at the Daystrom Institute. Everything's great. They got a lot of smart people at the Daystrom Institute, you would think. But who thought, hey, let's put a bunch of evil supercomputers all next to each other because I'm sure nothing bad will happen. Agnes Girardi. Agnes Girardi. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. I don't I don't want to give any spoilers, so I'm not gonna well, say anything about that. I mean, think about it. Who who put the three of us together in a podcast? So that yeah, wasn't David. a wise decision either. Agnes Girardi. Not for the sake of trying. <laughs> oh, <laughs> anyway, <my>. so <laughs> all in all, a fun episode. Some things that people didn't like, some people liked a bunch of other things. Um, it's not the last we're going to see a peanut hamper, I'm sure. Uh, I would like to see them come about a little further down the line instead of right away. Um, but if we were doing a, you know, uh, what we think is going to happen in the future, we definitely are going to see peanut agamus at some point show up. And who knows what that's going to look like. It's a little scary. So anyway, Casey... Um, Good episode for some of us, not for all of us, but uh, hopefully next week will be something that you'll enjoy a little bit more. So what can we look forward to uh, with episode eight, my friend? Oh, well, Dan, next week, Boimler's Holodeck movie sequel tries to live up to the original. It's episode eight of Lower Decks, Crisis Point 2, Paradoxus. And we will be here, right here, to talk about it and all of it next week. But until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by downloading the Trek Geeks Podcast Network app. And don't forget, you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to the unedited audio of all our podcasts because you're going to want to hear all of this stuff uh, and a whole lot of other perks, Bill. <laughs> you know, the whole time I'm sitting here going, crisis point to paradockers. I have dockers in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> At least no? I spelled it right. We'd like to take a moment to thank the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. We are so truly grateful for their support. Mike Bovia, Steve Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchon, Matt McGonigal, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Casey Pettit, Jamie Rogers, Major Self, the amazing Casey Shafsky. Yes, Terry Shull, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, the always on time Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. The senior producer of Trek Geeks is the effervescently exceptional Jude Tatman. If you'd like to support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks, as Dan says at Padcast Network, Beam on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks, where subscription levels start at a mere eight quarters a month. Mere. Very mere. Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other member podcasts here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So many great shows created by passionate fans who just want to share their love of Star Trek and Gene's vision. You can find all our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network, no one... No one. Dare I say no one talks Trek like we do. No one. No one. No one. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us for our discussion on Lower Decks, Episode 7, A Mathematically Perfect Redemption, An Unexpected Return of Peanut Hamper, and perhaps the start of a very dangerous partnership, and more importantly, a new supervillain. 
As always, I need to give a huge shout out to my two co-hosts, Bill and Casey. Guys, another fun discussion of an episode that really, and in many of our opinions, was just fantastic. Uh, <laughs> it seems that every week they're upping themselves from the previous week, and I, I really think it's great. I also want to thank all of you for taking time out of your schedules to listen to us talk all about Lower Decks Season 3. I'm looking forward to doing it all again next week with Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 8, Crisis Point 2, Paradoxus. So until next week, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by 5-Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at 5yearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.